great seeing you, Dominic. You know, when people ask me what have I been doing in the city, I say you need to talk to Dominic Carter because you've been covering me for almost 30 years now. Nice to be with you, Dominic. I think you are really in a very, very high league. And I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning wow. and your brain power is really at the highest level. So that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I heard you were looking for me. And Dominic Carter here with you. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It is now January 2nd. Curtis Lee, oh, what do I say? What do I say? I, I, you love him. You, you have to love him. You have to love him. And uh, he's not going to pull punches. Uh, he's going to tell you exactly what's on his mind. And a programming note, a programming note to begin this morning. I will be with you this hour, and then I will be in for Frank Morano on the other side of midnight for the first two hours of Frank's show, and then Curtis Lewa will do the last two hours. Then I will be back at 1 p.m. today in for Greg Kelly today from 1 to 3 p.m., And what this means is it's an opportunity for me because we're together for the next three hours and we, we can, we can take more time on, uh, the telephone calls. We can take more time on your calls. And as a matter of fact, let's open up the phone lines right now. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So, folks, uh, you know that I discussed the headlines. And the FBI and the NYPD are investigating. After three officers were attacked by a man with a machete. Think about that for a second. With a machete just blocks away from Times Square on New Year's Eve. Three officers trying to protect all of us, including a rookie officer that just left the academy, the police academy, on Friday. Think about that for a second, folks. Another story we're going to be dealing with this hour. Outgoing Republican leaders are condemning Congressman-elect George Santos, suggesting that he resign. Congressman Kevin Brady of Texas, a Republican, said on Fox News Sunday he would not be on the committee that I led. Governor Kathy Hochul was sworn in. Governor Hochul was sworn in. And I will repeat a topic that we deal with quite a bit. And that is what to do about the mentally ill. What to do with the mentally ill. Have you seen the disturbing video? Have you seen the disturbing video that shows a naked man, a naked African-American man dangling, dangling, by one arm from an elevated six-train station at Westchester and Metropolitan Avenues as onlookers gave literally a play-by-play account. We are going to let you hear what's been posted as it relates to the play I play account. And so just so that you know, police say the man was in his 20s. He's in his 20s. He was conscious after dropping 20 feet and hitting the pavement and alert when taken to Jacoby Hospital. 
as uh, as used to be said when I was a um, a little boy, he was buck naked, no clothes on at all. So let's start with the disturbing, the very disturbing news of what happened New Year's Eve. And we see the calls. We will begin with them in just a second. If we are going to be honest about this, very little can be done to stop a lone wolf. Very little can be done to stop a lone wolf. But, but, a change of tone from government about cracking down on crime, moving away from all of this progressive nonsense, might help. You can't stop them, the lone wolves, but you can send a strong law enforcement message. Getting tough at the border. This this suspect uh, apparently from Maine. It, it, that doesn't. This doesn't apply to him. But let's not be naive. We know that people want that. Some people that want to harm us are coming in. Possibly right now through the southern border. If we crack down in terms of sending the right messages, maybe, perhaps, it will scare off, maybe, some of these lone wolves. And so this this individual has two brothers that, are United States Marines, the suspect. The attack on the officers is being investigated as a possible incident of terrorism because of his online postings and the method of attack by the 19-year-old suspect. Now, this apparently happened near 52nd and 8th Avenue around 9.30 p.m. Saturday night. I had just finished uh, doing the morning show, in for both nerdly with you folks, at 10 a.m. Saturday morning. So some 12 hours later, when it should be a great celebration after all we have been through dealing with COVID-19, this was instead the reality. All three officers were hospitalized, one with a fractured skull and another with a bad cut. But the wonderful news is they are expected to recover. One of the officers was an eight-year veteran, an eight-year veteran, while one of the others, as I mentioned a rookie officer who just graduated from the police academy Friday. Friday. And this is what happens. I want you to listen to some of the police radio transmissions, followed by the police commissioner of New York City. Unprovoked, a 19-year-old male approached an officer and attempted to strike him over the head with a machete. The male then struck two additional officers in the head with a machete. The reality of the world that we live in, folks. Good morning to you, January 2nd. Uh, Ten minutes past the hour, I'm here with you until uh, 3 a.m. this morning, uh, starting at 1 a.m. for the other side of midnight and for Frank Morano. And so this 19-year-old Islamic radical is the way he's being described, who allegedly attacked the cops 
sought to target a uniformed officer as an enemy of the state. He was shot and wounded by a police officer during the attack, hospitalized, and as of Sunday night, had not been officially charged. Now, according to what authorities, and we are about to begin with your telephone calls, according to what the authorities are stating, that this suspect allegedly hatched up this plot as recent as Friday and apparently found religion, if you will, after his father's overdose death in 2018 and became radicalized as recently as a month ago. He was already, already on the FBI's terrorism watch list after his mother and aunt tipped off the agency about his alleged extremist views. That is the reality of what we know thus far as it relates to this situation. Dominic Carter here with you. We are going to begin right now with your telephone calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Let's begin with John in Brooklyn. Good morning, John. What's on your mind? I just want to relate to you, Dominic. First of all, let me wish you a happy new year, and I hope this year will be far more successful than last for everyone. Uh, I just want to relate to you what I heard on Mayor Giuliani's program yesterday morning. He had a contributor, David Webb, who I think is a Fox contributor, who said he's been investigating Santos' birth information, and he can't prove that Santos is an American citizen. The congressman-elect you're referring to. Right. Hmm. So so someone uh, appeared on Mayor Giuliani's show and says that he cannot prove that the congressman-elect is an American citizen. Right. He said that uh, there are references that, that uh, I think he said that there are references he's seen that have been deleted that point more towards his likely birth in Brazil rather than his claims that he was born in Queens. Well, we'll see. But, but John, if that were the case, I would imagine uh, with the congressman-elect one day, 24 hours from being sworn in, that uh, under investigation by three different law enforcement agencies, that they would move on that immediately if that were the case. I would hope so. I don't know, because as as you and I know, if you are an alien, that is, if you're not a U.S. citizen, you cannot hold federal office. Right. Well, it, it, you know, if that indeed turns out to be the case, it will be more of a legal trouble situation uh, for Mr. Santos. Again, you know, we are only 24 hours away from the new Congress beginning and from him uh, being sworn in. John, before I let you go, what is your reaction uh, as a resident of this city to what happened to these police officers? I'm disgusted, but I, I am concerned because uh, your listeners may have forgotten that several months ago at a book festival in Chicago, New York, Salman Rushdie was attacked by another uh, radicalized Islamic American youth on stage, and he was almost killed as a result. Uh, I, I, I don't want this to be seen as me condemning the Islamic American community. In fact, I have a lot of respect for Islam, and I have a famous cousin who is a prominent Muslim American. So uh, I, I, I'm not trying to denigrate our loyal, honest, patriotic Islamic Americans. But having this happen twice within a short span of a few months is very disturbing, to say the least. Uh, of course, I'm hoping that 
all the officers recover soon from their injuries. Yes, indeed. Thank you, John, calling this morning from Brooklyn. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Let's go to Maine. Let's go to the great state of Maine. Let's say good morning to Frank. Good morning, Frank. What's on your mind? Uh, good morning, Dominic, and Happy New Year. Same to Dominic, you. Uh, I am so I am so glad that I moved out of New York City two years ago when I retired. I seen I seen the writing on the wall, and I'm not blaming the Muslim community. I'm not blaming radicalization. I'm blaming these politicians for stifling these police officers. Um, these the, the people now think that it's, it's now carte blanche to do whatever they want and no repercussions. Um, I I hope. I hope those officers are okay. I hope this guy gets the full extent of the law, but I seriously doubt it. Um, you know, when I when I was a teacher, like I said, I was a teacher a long long time ago for 25 years. I seen I started seeing the the the, the, the I guess you could say the, the kinks in the in the chain. The, <laughs> I I started seeing it coming home from Stuyvesant. I started seeing it coming home. Um, and it was scaring me, and it was scaring my son, my seven-year-old son at the time. Uh, and it was I was done. I was done. I'm not saying that people should move out of New York City, but seriously consider it because for your own sanity and your own safety, I think you're going to be a lot better off. Dominic, have a great night and a great new year. Thank you very much, Frank. And, you know, what you just said, and Frank calling this morning from Maine, it, it is it is something to consider in terms of uh, what's going on, particularly in our area. These three police officers uh, minding their business, trying to protect us all New Year's Eve and for this to happen to them. Michael in Manhattan. Good morning, Michael. What's on your mind? Dominic being an experienced Wait, wait, reporter. Michael, can, you, sound, you sound muffled. Is, is the phone, are you on speakerphone or? Yeah, I'll try it without speaking. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Go ahead, please. Okay, here's the deal. Um, if you have three police officers, um, how could they all be walking in close proximity? Wouldn't you want to spread yourselves out? Uh, as a defensive posture so that you can protect each other? Something well, isn't right here. Well, no, 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 Michael. I, I disagree with you on that one because uh, oftentimes when you see police officers, they are they are together. Um, uh, whether whether it's one or two, whether it's two officers or more. And, um, you know, this, this, how do you, how do you stop someone, Michael? with a machete that's going to walk up to you and, and just start swinging and cutting. I, I mean, how, yeah. how, 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 how does one stop a situation like that? It, it, it's extremely difficult. But when I do see two police officers in the subway, they're, unless they're on the upper platform and just kind of, I'll say it relaxing, but if they're downstairs in the subway itself, there is space between them, definite space between them. That's that's my point. Okay, well, Michael, we appreciate your call. Let's go from Manhattan to Brooklyn. Let's say good morning to Aaron. Good morning, Aaron. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning, Dominic. I'm calling about this horrendous slashing, and I think that what we fail to remember is how important it is for our agencies to work together better to remember the fact that he was on the FBI's list for being radicalized. We know what happens after that. Very common for people to do stupid stuff. Where is the police? Where is the community policing? Where are people coming to meet the guy to actually act on what the FBI knows? Why is there a complete disconnect from what the FBI knows to what the NYPD acts on? And we're so into the word community policing. What that actually means is coming down, meeting family, meeting the community, understanding the situation. We had all that, and we could have saved three officers from just a terrible nightmare. And, you know, who knows, God forbid, death maybe, or who knows what will be. This is terrible. It, it is, it is, it is terrible, Aaron. And, and it's at a time like this 
that you think about these officers, you think about their families, and then I think about all the critics that have everything to say about how bad the police are, and these officers are the ones that have to deal with this. And, and Aaron, think about this for a second. Someone comes up to you, you're a police officer, you don't know if they're friend or foe. You don't know if they're going to ask you for help or or offer you a compliment or use it as a disguise to pull out a weapon and and harm you. It's it's just it's just horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Aaron, I thank you for the telephone call and uh happy new year to you uh and uh your Family. Dominic Carter here with you folks. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Let's go to Ellie in Lakewood, New Jersey. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning, Dominic. Thanks for taking my call. I wish all the officers a speedy recovery and I hope they get better. And I just wanted to ask you a little off topic, but I was wondering who would be your ideal Republican team for 2024? Wow, that's that's a great question. Um I think I think that um, I haven't really thought about the number two yet, but at the top of the ticket, at the top of the ticket, and you're going to say you're not answering my question, but uh, Trump or DeSantis. I just the problem I have with DeSantis is that I don't know if he's ready yet. He is sort of the darling of the media, and it's one thing when you're the darling of the media as opposed to when you're the actual candidate. But I but I guess, I guess, and then I then I want you to answer your own question. I I guess I would love to see, I think like the rest of us, a rematch, a repeat of Biden versus Trump. That's what that and and and, and I would like to see it to put to rest, if you will, that the election was stolen. Because it would be mano a mano, top dog against top dog, and a Trump versus Biden. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that Biden would win. What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't want to risk it just for the chance. But personally, my my team, Pence would definitely be in there. I think Pence is an underrated politician. I think he did a fantastic job under Trump. Okay, but wait, wait. He, he, He would be in there where? As number two? As vice, I'd rather have him as vice. As one, I still think Cruz from 2016 around. I, I think Cruz is a great candidate. I don't know if I'd put him in 2024 as number one, but definitely on the top of my list. Hmm. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Well, thank you, thank you for the call, and um, we'll we will see how this uh, all plays out. Let's go to Al and Yonkers. Good morning, Al. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning to you, Dominic, and Happy New Year to you. Same to you and your family. And yours, of course. You know, Dominic, I just wanted to touch on with the uh, situation with the three officers, the one who had his uh, skull fractured. Uh, fortunately, he's going to be okay. But as you know, uh, you know, the law enforcement individuals I've known through my career, mostly retired, they would always tell me that the most difficult call when their guard goes up is when they get that call that they have to deal with the situation where a person is emotionally disturbed. As you know, we've seen through the years in New York City, uh, things could go wrong quickly. So I just wanted to point out, fortunately, the police are, are doing okay, the, the police persons who are involved with this situation. But as you know, uh, when you have to deal with somebody who's emotionally disturbed, uh, it's a really difficult situation for the uh, police people involved and the sergeant who has to come and, you know, the lieutenants and all. That's all I wanted to say, which you know. Yes, yes, it it is very tough, Al. And, I mean, think about it. Think about this for a second. You're on a detail, uh, 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 the perimeter, if you will, of New Year's Eve, and next thing you know, you're in the hospital with a fractured skull. Think about that for a second. Yeah, exactly. And and I know a few summers ago they, you know, they've had a – individuals who spoke uh, sniffing, uh, sniffing uh, speed or smoking PCP. And a lot of times when they would do that, 
their body temperatures would go up. They would strip their clothes off, uh, and they would just uh, have the strength of 10 people. And then when the law enforcement people have to show up and deal with this, it's a real uh, hairy situation, a, a scary situation that could really uh, turn dire. Right, and it, it is it, it is dire is the right word, and the strength that some of these people. I'm going to yep. come back to mentally ill. Some of the strength that they uh, develop, uh, you know, on these drugs. It's not yep. easy being a police officer, and we. It, this is why. This is why, Al. And I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to try not to get upset. This is why I was so disgusted when those two cops were doused with water in Harlem. It wasn't funny yeah. what those kids were doing. Terrible. They were stripping our men and women of law enforcement of their dignity. And the officers knew that management, meaning the politicians, did not have their back. That's why they stood there and had to eat it. They had to sit there and take it as the kids laughed and thought it was funny. Well, is it funny? When when your mother or father, those same kids, call and it's a life-saving situation and, and you need the NYPD desperately. Is it funny then when when, when they've got to come in and, and possibly use deadly force to save you or your loved ones? It it's 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 just horrible. It is absolutely horrible. Al, I I appreciate you and I I thank you uh, for your call. Dominic Carter here with you folks. Let me also uh get to one of the other stories. Uh Sunday in Albany, the inauguration after the very close election with Lee Zeldin, the inauguration of Governor Kathy Hochul as uh, the first woman to win a full four-year term, here was part of what she had to say. Now, those of you who will gather with us in a little over a week, I'll be presenting an ambitious state of the state, so I won't go into policy today. Save up for that one. It'll even be longer. (laughs) But right now, there's some fights we just have to take on. The affordability crisis in housing, and energy, and everything. It's making life just too damn hard for New Yorkers. And the gun violence epidemic, my gosh. The loss of lives goes on and on. The rise in hate crimes, what happened here? Especially anti-Semitism, Asian hate, anti-LGBTQ hate, and the systemic racism that still persists to this day. Those are the fights we are called to take on. We must. The fight that we are called to, quote, unquote, take on is that we've got to get a change to the bail reform laws. We see the headlines every single day. Individual arrested 30, 40, 50 times. Did you see, folks? the lady that allegedly broke into actor Robert De Niro's house. I'm sorry. I'd like to apologize in person to Mr. De Niro. This is the world that we live in. I don't have much hair, but I would pull it all out if I did have hair, because this is the world that we live in. Let's go to Wes in Texas, who is a retired police officer. Good morning, sir. And what's on your mind? Good morning, sir. Happy New Year. Same um, to you and your family. Officer. I was a police officer for over 30 years, and I was born in New York. <clears throat> I went to wow. Cardoza High School in Bayside, class of 71. Anyway, um, after 30 years in law enforcement, and I'm hearing some of these <clears throat> excuse me, comments about what the officers should do. When you're in contact with people and you're on patrol, you can't always be on the defensive and watch your six and know if someone's going to be a hazard to you or not. One of the officers was a trainee who just recently got to the academy. He's got to stay close to his training officer and pay attention to the lead of who his the senior officer is doing. What, what the problem is today is that officers are restricted in the use of force that they can use against someone that they have contact with. Their pistols probably carry multiple rounds. 
if they emptied their weapon into the suspect and they hit an innocent bystander, they get charged with using excessive force. So those who don't wear the uniform, who, who are not on the street, who haven't been out there and gone hands-on with these types of individuals, they have no idea how careful you have to be in law enforcement. You don't want to violate someone's constitutional rights, and you don't want to get killed. You want to go end the watch and see your family, and you're serving the public. So you can't always be on the defensive, and it has nothing to do with the uh, this person being a, a Muslim or whatever. Good people are good people no matter what race or color they are, and you've got to treat everybody fair. But you can't always be on the defensive. And in the FBI probably has its hands full with putting people like that under surveillance if they get information that they might be a hazard to the government, might be a terrorist. They can't watch everybody. So that's about my right. And, you know, I'm I'm listening to you as someone that's been out there uh, putting your yeah. life on the line every day. So years ago, um, and I've actually received awards for this from the uh, mm-hmm. State Association of uh, the Associated Press and so on. Yes, sir. I, I was the reporter that community yes, residents turned to for alleged yes, police sir. brutality. And oftentimes yes, when I came, I came hard and strong. Yes, sir. And what I've learned over the years is once when I was um, stopped for a speeding ticket and the officer didn't yes, write the ticket, or maybe I had yes, made sir. an illegal turn or something like that in the city of New York, and and of course I was annoyed. I didn't want to be bothered, and and I kind of had an attitude. And yes, and the officer just looked at me, and and I was left embarrassed because he said, he just looked at me. I hadn't given him my ID yet, and he said, you know what, Mister Carter, we after every tour want to go home to see our families as well. Yeah, yeah. and and that, and that stuck with me until today, that you, Mr. West, as a retired police officer, when you were on the job, if you pause for one second, your wife could be burying you. And and we don't stop to think about that. We we think, we in the public think it's Hollywood, why can't you just shoot for the arm, even though exactly. even exactly. though you're you're trained? I learned this when the NYPD uh, sent me to their to their academy and to and to again as a critic of the department and to they have a house in in New York or they used to where they would uh, simulate situations. And I found out that you're trained to shoot for the largest mass of body, exactly. which, which exactly. happens to be the chest area. But this is not yeah. Hollywood. And this right. is what I'm trying exactly. to get people to understand. And so what I, before I do got to go because I'm late for a break, but I really wanted to take your call. What, what, what has been the biggest frustration when you were on the job? What was your biggest frustration? Uh, being accused of making contact with a citizen due to their race. I'm a black Cherokee, Indian, Scots, Irish, and I would often get accused of stopping someone on the traffic enforcement for their race. It had nothing to do with the race. They committed a traffic violation, right? and I stopped them for the violation, right? and I had the discretion to either cite them or let them go. Right. And, and people don't understand that. They need to go on a citizen's ride-along. They need to go to a citizen's police academy. They need to go out there and sit in the car and watch. Agreed. In a safe manner. Agreed. see what the officers actually go. My blood pressure has gone down since I left law enforcement, and I'm 80, 68 years old. I've been through it, and I had a partner killed over 30 years ago in an armed robbery as a police officer. So they have no idea. You want to go in to watch alive, and my wife. You know, she was worried every time I went to work. It's worse now, and I'm so happy that I'm retired. I'm over here in Texas. We can, I still carry my weapon. We can carry weapons, and you need to protect yourself. And a gun is not the answer for everything. It's not easy to shoot. They see movies, and they think you can shoot everybody and everything. You can't do that. You could hit an innocent bystander. You're lucky if you hit the target. You hit a paper target, but it's completely different when you're a lawman or a law officer shooting at someone or being defensive against someone who might be shooting at you. 
shooting a paper target on a shooting range is completely different than having to take cover because you might get hit by an incoming bullet or you might hit someone who's standing sideways out, out of the way. You don't want that to happen. You want to go home alive, and you don't want to kill someone by accident because you can't take that bullet back once you press that trigger. You you sure can't. I, I've, I've got to uh, wrap this up. But, but I do find the great need to ask you this, even though I am late for a commercial break here. Uh, you said you lost a, a partner. Were, were you out with the partner when this happened? I mean, I don't want you to get emotional and so on, because I'm sure it's not easy uh, reliving it. But, but what happened without going through names or anything like that? Okay, I was on my day off, and my, my partner was having a, at a pizza shop with another officer. An armed robbery in progress came out over the radio. It was across the street from the pizza shop and three doors down. Pat and, the, and uh, Mark got up to respond. They walked over there kind of thinking, yeah, it's no big deal. It was uh, an adult bookstore. Who robs an adult, adult bookstore? They walked into a robbery in progress and got into a, a foot pursuit. And uh, Pat ran, chased after the one suspect. They split up, and one bad guy hid behind a dumpster, and he shot Pat you know, one round, I think hit him in the neck, and then he put his pistol between the bulletproof vest and emptied it and killed Pat. And the other officer, uh, Danny Saraceno, he went after. He got the uh, the other suspect and wound up use of force and wound up killing him. It was a father teaching his son how to do armed robberies. And it could have been me there, but Pat was working on my day off, and I missed him. And did, that was over 30 years ago. Did I hear you correctly that after he wounded the officer, he put the gun under his vest and then emptied the yeah. gun? He put it between the, he put it between his vest under the shoulder under the armpit and emptied the gun. It was a twenty two semi automatic pistol and killed killed the killed him. So in other words, he was gonna make sure that the officer was dead. Yes, sir. I'm so, sorry. I have no idea how bad it is. It's dangerous out there. I'm sorry that that happened. I, I wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart for your service and I ap- appreciate that you being honest, um that you know, for an officer, your biggest frustration was that when you stopped someone uh, being um, accused of um, of a racial uh, profiling stop, because things, you know, now marijuana is uh, is legal in New York and it's legal um, in many states around the country. But things are so warped and backwards that some of these young men believe that prior to the change in law, they could be standing there smoking a marijuana cigarette, and if the officer came up, their answer is, why are you stopping me? It's racist to stop me. No, you're doing something illegal, and that's the point. Wes, I want to thank you for speaking from the heart, and uh, best wishes to you and your family, and Happy New Year. Thank you, sir. Have a good evening thank and good you. New Year. Bye-bye. Thank you. Calling from Texas this morning. Dominic Carter here with you on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We are going to take a break. We are taking your telephone calls. At 1 a.m., I will not be going home this morning. I will be in for my colleague Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. Uh, Curtis Lewa and myself are splitting the show in half. I will be with you from 1 to 3, 1 to 3 a.m., and then Curtis Lewa will pick it up for the final two hours. We are taking your telephone calls. I haven't even gotten to the mental illness issue just yet. We're going to take a break. You're taking your calls. We're taking your calls. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. Great seeing you, Dominic. You know, when people ask me what have I been doing in the city, I say you need to talk to Dominic Carter because you've been covering me for almost 30 years now. Nice to be with you, Dominic. I think you are really in a very, very high league. And I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning wow. and your brain power is really at the highest level. So that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm here until 3 a.m. this morning, not the normal 1 a.m., 3 a.m., uh, starting at 1 a.m. 
Uh, I will be filling in this morning for my colleague, Frank Morano, and the other side of midnight. Frank has uh, a few well-deserved uh, days off, uh, spending time with his wife, Rachel, and his son, Carmine, and I'm here in the filling row, and that's going to start at, um, at 1 a.m., but we are continuing with my program, and up until then, and... Tomorrow afternoon, actually this afternoon, it's already past midnight, at 1 p.m., 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., I will be in again for Greg Kelly. And so I want to um, move on to mental health. But before we do so, I see we have a few calls here as it relates to the attack on the three police officers Let's go to uh, Kevin on Long Island. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind? Good morning. How are you doing? Good, good. Go right ahead, please. Yes, I was a New York City police officer for 28 years. And people are talking in reference to these officers and they're standing together and all these things. But they got to realize that officers have to be community-related. They can't be standoffish all the time because if they standoffish, people will start to complain. If they don't talk to the public, they complain. So it's always going to be some difficulty there. This job is a hard job to do, and people don't realize everything that you have to do as an officer. When these situations like this happen, this is the reason why you'll see a rash of officers starting to retire. I'm quite sure you're going to have other officers who have just got on the job are going to quit because of this incident, this incident that just happened. Right. And I I hear you. One, uh, Kevin, I want to thank you for your service. And two, your prediction is already coming true because there are stories, constant stories about uh, based on the pension bureau for the NYPD of officers retiring in record numbers. So, Kevin, how do we turn this around? Perhaps that's the question. Well, number one, people have to go out there and vote for the right people. Kathy Hochul is now the new governor. God bless her. Wish her the best. But all she's doing is cutting ribbons. Uh, digging holes and shovels for new developments and everything else. But uh, she has to get Hastings and Cousins together and change these laws. These two people are refusing to make any changes in any of the laws that are affecting the day-to-day citizens. Indeed, indeed, and, and but 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 the political reality, Kevin, is that Governor Hochul uh, is having a hard time even getting the judge that she wants to head the Court of Appeals, the highest court in the state, uh, because Democrats are, are saying no. Uh, basically, he's too conservative. Who would be the first Latino chief judge in the state of New York, and they want a progressive. And so, I, I mean, I just, I, 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 it just seems to me that progressive is almost a bad word, to be honest with you, Kevin, because the yeah. politics of progressives, I'm just not with that. And the reason why I'm not with it is because I don't see any positive results. I just continue to see an erosion of, of laws that protect American citizens. I'm, I'm just not getting it. And I've said this before, Kevin, these days with progressives, it seems like what's good is really bad, and what's bad to them is good. Dominic, we're going down a slippery slope, and I don't see how this, how to, when we're going to hit the brakes on this whole situation. Mm-hmm. We're just going down and down and down, and people are going to start to flee New York City. Well, that that part, Kevin, you're wrong about because they're not starting to flee. They have already fled, and the numbers are only growing, my friend. 
Thank you for your service in law enforcement. We appreciate you, Kevin. And uh, Happy New Year to you and your family calling this morning from Long Island. Dominic Carter here with you. When we come back, the Chronicles of Dominic Carter, more of your telephone calls. And this morning, this morning, I'm filling in for my colleague, Frank Morano. I'll be with you from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. on the other side of midnight. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. Well, citing a double whammy of a $3 billion revenue loss over two and a half years due to travel downturns caused by COVID-19, the pandemic, and inflationary cost increases, the Board Authority, Port Authority, that is Board of Commissioners of New York and New Jersey, have voted to increase tolls. The last toll and fare uh, increase came in 2019. Perhaps the good news in this is that the tolls between the Port, Port Authority bridges and tunnels between New Jersey and New York don't go up until January 8th next week when they will increase by $1. But with the new year, tolls have gone up on New Jersey highways, bridges, and tunnels. So, for example, they've already gone up on, like, the New Jersey Turnpike, Garden State Parkway, and Atlantic City Expressway. We are taking your telephone calls discussing a number of issues, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Good morning, Tommy. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dom. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. Um, Thank you. Go right ahead. Thank you. I'm a retired soldier, and I'm a great shot. I grew up shooting in a gun club. I competed from uh, seven years old to when I was 21, and I can make a smiley face on a target. But I can't shoot a gun out of somebody's hand once, you know, when you're in a situation, when you shoot the, the knife out of a guy's hand, I mean, I don't know what people are thinking when they say stuff like that. Yeah, maybe shoot him in the leg, you know, if you're five feet away, yeah. But, you know, if you're, you're 10 feet, 15 feet away, and you're, you're, you're all edgy because somebody's shooting at you or, or somebody's, you know, hurting another person, it, it, it's a lot different. And, you know, when I was in Iraq, uh, I, I spent two tours there. There were a lot of people, you know, they would shoot at you behind other people. And, you know, you can't shoot innocent people. So, you, you know, you can't. It, it was, like, so frustrating. And they say, oh, why don't you just shoot them in, why don't you just shoot them in the head or something like that, and, you know, when they're holding somebody hostage. You, I can't do that. I mean, on TV, they do it all the time. I don't know, I don't know too many people that can honestly do that. You know, Dominic? Right. right. The, the mental, mental illness is, is crazy. I, I have PTSD and I have anxiety and... And I deal with it, but, uh, you know, it's just that I don't know what all these people are doing on the street. Uh, You know, something when they're like, um, I don't know what type of mental illness that they're talking about. But when somebody has a mental illness that's causing them to do stuff like this, to be violent and to be, um, I I don't know any other word to say, but to be violent and try to kill people, it's just, it's, it's wrong. I don't know. They should be in, they should be locked up, yes. And I think it's a great idea that we're going to do it. I just worry that we're going to take the rights away from people like me who don't have a, I can walk down the street sometimes talking to myself. I'll admit that. But I'm not crazy. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not out there killing people. I'm not out there knifing people. I just worry about that. I I hear you, Tommy, and uh, I appreciate your call. Uh, One point that Tommy made as it relates to adrenaline, and it's something I can relate to. So when when I was uh, critical of the police department, excuse me, and this is going a few years back, they, um, as a matter of fact, more than a decade or two, They said, okay, we want to send you to our house where we simulate situations. And so I'm like, I'm like, great. You want me to go in this little house and play your game? I'll play your game. But I'm still going to make the right decision as a person, as a person being in the house in terms of the right, correct decision. But, folks, let me tell you this. It, it, It was tough because, and I, even though I knew that the, that it was a skit that we were acting out. I didn't know what was hap- what's going to happen. But your adrenaline kicks in, and you go from zero to 100. 
That's what happened to me. When, when, and when, and I ended up making the mistake and shooting the innocent person. So I, I understand uh, the point that was just made. Bob and Yonkers, good morning, Bob. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I'm a retired NYPD for 20 years. I worked in the South Bronx for 20 years. Let me tell you something. If Cousins and Hazy don't make changes, everyone's going to leave New York. It's going to be a dying state. And I'll tell you something else. Where is the black community? Why aren't they up in arms about what's going on? Blacks are killing blacks in record numbers. Most homicides are committed by blacks against other blacks. Where's the, where's the black community? Please answer that. Well, Bob, I, I have answered that uh, repeatedly. Um, and that's a question where uh, I could literally go and bang my head up against the wall for uh, 20 minutes nonstop because you're, you're, you're right. Your point is accurate. And I don't know if it's denial. I don't know what it is. But the hasties of the world, the Senate Majority Leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins of the world, I don't even, you know, I don't even think they realize what's going on and that if it continues, you're going to lose the people that are paying the taxes that are keeping the state alive. That's that's the reality of what's going on. And when you have an incident like these three officers with with some uh, radical Islamic uh, uh, lone wolf, using a machete as his weapon of choice, you're going to have people leaving this state. And you would think it's time, but it's continuing. It's continuing. It's not getting better, Bob. It's continuing because they're fighting. They are fighting Governor Hochul's choice to head the the state's highest court. They want a progressive. This guy is Latino. Would it make history? They're like, no, 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 no. He's, He's a centrist. He's a moderate. No, 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 no. We want a progressive. It, it's ridiculous, Bob, but I but I hear you on your point. Let me go to uh, E. Frank in Astoria. Good morning. What's on your mind? Yes, good morning, uh, Dominic. Hi. Um, you know, I got to tell you from my experience, I've had situations where, you know, I'm a, a former New York City auxiliary police officer. I'm a Democratic liberal. I've had situations where I was cornered. Uh, I got I to tell you, I had had no undercover auxiliaries, no, uh, you know, um, street unit uh, defending me. Uh, and, you know, I'll give you an example. I had, wait, 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 wait. I, I've got 35 seconds left to this show before right. Frank. So, so you can either call me back uh, during Frank's show, which starts in 30 seconds. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it up to you if, if you don't mind calling back. Uh, I do apologize. It's just that my show ends literally in 20 seconds, so I don't have the time. But the good news, the good news this morning, we are continuing. So you can give us a call, 800-848-9222. Frank Marano's uh, The Other Side of Midnight starts in just seconds right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.